welcome to Podcast 287 of Five Star Potential, your weekly football manager podcast. I'm Matt, and on this week's pod, I'm joined by Dupe and the Padawan himself, Mr. Madden. Well, I like that one. Padawan. The Padawan, it's, it's Star Wars-y, but it's, it's an homage to Paddles, which has been retired because people don't like it. Paddles is back. Anyway, welcome, gentlemen. Hello. You know, I don't like We're the back. fact that he stood up. It's weird. He looks too smiley Tall. for taller standing. Mm. He's drunk. I think that's how, how it works for most people. <laughs> oh, unless your name's Kay. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. He's not even here to defend himself. Hi, Curti. I love Curti. He's listening. He always listens. He does. Hopefully. Anyway, on this week's pod, uh, to pretty much cement ourselves into not being a Spurs podcast. We're actually focusing on Liverpool with a football manager twist because, frankly, they are shit at the moment. Yes. So... Dupe is literally <laughs> rubbing his hands as we speak. He's I mean, I've been waiting for, for this day. I've been waiting. 287 United, weeks. <laughs> when United were shit... Sorry, we're good. There wasn't Twitter. Right? We haven't started the... Oh, sorry. We haven't started sorry, you yet. Go, you go. Save it. Sorry. Save it. That was in homage for Curtis. Sorry. So, uh, whether you like Liverpool, whether you're a Liverpool fan, whether you are not a Liverpool fan, uh, there'll be something for everyone throughout this uh, entire topic. Uh, and then we will have a quiz. Who knows whether it's themed or not? Probably not. Don't care. Will we even do it? You'll find out if we do or not. Of the quiz. Um, really sold it there. Anyway, right. Let's let's start with... <laughs> I mean, Joe has written this. Joe, Joe's written the, the, the script for this week. And it literally just says Liverpool are shit. So that's why we've titled it Liverpool are shit. So uh, let's let's set the scene. Uh, you've won your last trophy some 200, 200 days ago, but the press and some of the fan base are already writing the club off. FSG are reportedly looking for new custodians of the club, that's owners, uh, and there are club legends at the wrong end of their careers. So what better time to put some football manager perspective into the conversation and discuss what we would be doing at Liverpool if this was us. I just want to ask a question, Matt, and it's for Dupe. As a as a well-known Man United fan, Dupe, have you ever done a Liverpool save? No. It's one of Liverpool's shirts. I wore a Liverpool shirt on straight. Oh, I remember that. That was But basically, times. I conned everybody because on the back it said 20 times. And um, <laughs> if I'm right in thinking, I'm not that sure, but I'm pretty sure they've only won it 19 times. Um, but no, I've never done a Liverpool save. Good Pop to know. Me. Not, not because, not because, because like I still don't think that that would be an issue. Um, the the issue I would find, to be fair, the issue I'd find is if I made them good, I would then struggle with the fact that Liverpool are good. That's the only reason. The thing is, like, like I, 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 and this isn't really what we were gonna going to start with, but it, it with when it comes to like rivalries and managing clubs on on FM. When it comes to that allegiance, are you able to put put that like your real life allegiance in a box and kind of ignore it? Because I, I I I had a I mean it wasn't intended to be a Burnley save, but I, I'd started a an, a Sir Alex Ferguson challenge, and the team was Burnley, uh, who who ended up being in nineteenth on that particular save. So that's who I took over, and because I. I know there will be some some Blackburn fans that would just refuse to do it, and maybe it's just I'm not 
I'm not wired like that. Um, but it was, you know, an interesting save to do from someone who has no affiliation with the club at all. But I didn't know wh- what you like, what your your relative perspectives are on a situation like that. Before we get into the Liverpool shit stuff, I yeah, uh, I, I really struggle. I would really, really struggle. Like I City, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to touch. Um, basically because you know they're cheaters, but mainly because they're City and Liverpool, very much the same. Like I would really struggle to to be excited about Mo Salah scoring a goal or you know Jota getting a okay a, a last so minute winner. Let's, let's let's extend that then. So. When you're managing in the Premier League with someone who isn't United, what how, how would you feel then? What's what? And I guess it's the same like the same question to you, Mad, about like with Newcastle. But you're managing in the Premier League, but you're not Newcastle. How do you approach those games? I think for me, like mainly, I would focus solely on on proving that I'm better than them with United. Like I, I'd want to kind of show that they should have hired me. But then, kind me, of, sorry, it's all right. No, I'm just thinking, and then kind of like with Liverpool and that, I would just want to get one over because I think it would help out United. I just find, man, like I think I definitely have managed in the same league as Newcastle, but probably the saves I've done has taken a while to get there. And by the time you get there, it's a completely different squad and you know, yeah. universe, so it, it doesn't feel as. Betraying, no, betraying. I mean, there, there is there is a certain level of yeah. disconnect, especially by that point, in Newcastle, right? because they're a very changeable side in any version of FM, but especially now more than ever. Especially if you use the editor, not the editor. <laughs> I mean, when you when you use the editor to make the team worse, like explicitly worse, when you've been waiting for years and years for money, and then you decide to remove it all, um, and then you spend more years in the Championship than you do in the Premier League throughout the duration of a save. Yeah, I mean that's good save, wasn't so, it? I like that one. You I get why like watching Liverpool be shit. It's like it's nice watching a blogger be shit because they think they're. You so wonder good. why I drink when I play football manager. <laughs> I mean, maybe that that would be a, a good starting point. Don't uh... don't drink a player then. <laughs> yeah. the right, other... actually, get let's get on to the actual topic, or else we'll be still talking about random questions. I and mean, we haven't even. I don't think we can call it a tangent if we haven't even started yet. But nevertheless, let's get going. So to remind you all <laughs> from the, the, the five minute of frivolities or frivolities even before we actually start, we're talking about what we would do if we were in charge of Liverpool. So the first section of this is entitled Stick or Twist. Uh, so we'll take a look at the, the usual starting 11 and decide whether it's good enough if we'd stick a player, um, if you would stick with a player on to stay or if we would twist and replace them and if we're suggesting we're going to replace them who would we suggest to replace them with um so we'll go from back to front in the in liverpool's usual formation which is the 433 um so we'll start at the back allison good enough or not oh 100% one of the best goalkeepers in the league great That's with his feet great with his hands great with his head Good goalkeeper. I mean, it's you, you. Sometimes when you see a team struggling, you see a keeper struggling, um, and like you know, making mistakes. Like like Loris comes to mind. David de Gea has had his moments many times, I suppose, over the years. All right, Nick fucking Pope, go on. Yeah, look, we don't even You've won need to eight go games. There. Calm yourself. <laughs> it's most most I've seen in a season in one go. 
Uh, but Alisson, I don't feel has had any real kind of consistent he has. drop in form. I wouldn't, had, I wouldn't say repeated though, Matt. Would this, you? Apart from no, th- this this year he's been really? more accountable for like his mistakes have led to at least two goals that I'm aware of. Okay, um, like as in if if you were in FM, it would be mistakes leading to goal would be counted okay. against the goalkeeper where he's either came uh, like he's he's been out of position or has decided to eccentrically charge out to try and clear a ball and missed it or failed to deal with a a, a sweeped clearance or something mm. like that. There was one where he punted it. It may not have been the league. It may have been in either the FA or League Cup, but he, yeah, he's he's not been as assured as he has been previously. Um, I, and the whole, you know, form is temporary, class is permanent is... Is very much an argument there. Mm-hmm. He's he's clearly you know uh, very good. They wouldn't have spent money on him, and I don't. There's no point just replacing him because who the hell are you going to replace him with? Exactly that. Because there are like as I'm sure we will get to when we go through the rest of the positions, there are a lot more areas that would need significant investment that would be wasted in like trying to replace a goalkeeper that doesn't need really to be replaced, and equally. Because of the type of position that the goalkeeping position is, like you aren't keeping two top quality goalkeepers happy persistently. You just it doesn't matter what team you are, you just can't do that. They both want like if they are good enough, they both want to be starting every game, and it just that is going to cause more problems than it's worth. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, talking going back to your original question is. Stick or twist? Who would you twi- who would you twist him with? And I can't sit here and think, yeah, okay, you might go Edison, but you're not going to get Edison, you know. And and we're talking about kind of realistic now rebuild. Um, you, that's a position that I feel is solid enough that you could spend money elsewhere. Um, I also think that yes, he has had a few mistakes this season, but I would say that's down to the fact that they're getting opposition are getting through to him more. Um, again, a bit like De Gea, last season was making a lot of mistakes because he was having facing a lot more shots. And this year, I would like to see the the, st- the statistics between how many shots Allison has faced this year compared to last year. Because I bet it ain't as much. Like, I bet sorry, I bet it's more than what he faced last year already. Because Liverpool have been so weak at the back and defensively so naive. Well, let's let's before the rest will become uh, focused on the goalkeeper position. Let's move it forward to the actual defence because I think that ultimately is probably what has led to the increased number of errors because obviously the the more shots you face the more the the more chances that you have to or the the more work you have to do as a goalkeeper the more likely it is that you're going to be prone to a clangor or two um so we'll start with the right back and I think this is probably probably going to be one of the more contentious positions. Um, and that's uh, obviously Trent at right back. I think, like, you know, when I was talking about Alisson there a while ago, I'm thinking Duke's point is probably valid there. He's under a lot more pressure than he's probably ever been in the Liverpool goals. Um, not least because of the centre-house, which we'll talk about in a minute. But Trent has repeatedly been caught out defensively, as we've all seen. Admittedly, it tends to look a lot worse when you start to slow things down and, and do an, a slow replay or screenshot freeze frames and it really makes him look so out of position. 
But like if I'm in FM here and this is happening, because we're talking now, we're talking 12 months probably of this, if not more, um, where it doesn't seem to be getting any better. And I'm not sure what's going on. Defensive coaching, you know, what's Klopp doing with him and etc. For me, Trent is a fantastic player, but it's, if, if I'm in FM, I'm looking at a, a role change. I'm looking at a retrain and getting a new right back in. So I would be, uh, I, I would be twisting on Trent. I wouldn't stick with him at all in right back. That's mean. I think like I think he is up there with one of the best attacking right backs in the world. I feel that if you have your 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 normal back four, there's enough cover there to cover what Trent lacks defensively. Uh, but what he brings with assists and and linking up the play, I, f- I think you'll be mad, literally mad to to get rid of him. Um, I think it's a very easy thing as a opposition fan and a rival opposition fan. To, to slag Trent off straight away because it's an easy target. But normally, I, I mean, I would say, I mean, I'll be honest, I'll take him. If you're going to twist, I'll have him. He can play I right want to keep United. him, but not in, not in the same role. That's right. Because I, I genuinely feel that he is, he's up there. And I'm, I'm very much in the same school of thought as, as Matt is and probably quite a few people is that you can't afford to lose his ability from set pieces or his ability to create. Um, but the defensive frailties, or at least the partnerships at centre half that don't cover his frailties like they once did, means that you need uh, someone who's defensively more capable. And it's not even a case of being able to track back and tackle. That's not the situation. He seems to be completely unable to mark and read game situations and that's where he's most culpable for for gifting attacking opportunities to to the opposition so i would be looking to move him into midfield which is ultimately where he started his career uh, especially at youth level before he was sort of moved to right back that's probably what i would look to do so that you get to keep his offensive positives whilst mitigating the defensive lapses that lead to more opportunities for the opposition. Who you replace him with, though, that is the big question. Um, any suggestions? Wamba Saka. <laughs> Just because we want to get rid of real him. suggestions. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. Um, uh, oh, that's a good question. Because I mean, we've got to be quite realistic about this. And I, I mean, normally I would just go Hakimi, right? Like, because he is up there with one of the best right backs out there, um, or Kimmich, for example, but. Are they going to attract those players if they don't make the that Kimi- top The thing is, Kimmich, Kimmich is not good. Well, Kimmich wouldn't leave Bayern where he starts in midfield to go and play right back for Liverpool. No. And, and equally, I dare say, you'd probably be having a similar situation. Like, Kimmich can cover at right back, but, but he you lose a lot. I don't think he's the most defensively sound of players. Like, he can get away with it in midfield because you've got you know, an entire defence after after that to cover up any mess that you leave. But I don't think he's really a like a proper right back, as it were. I don't know if we can really class anyone a proper right back anymore. <laughs> but an old fashioned modern fullback, <laughs> if that's a if that's allowed to exist. There was talks of Pavard being available. Um, he's definitely got a lot more about him from a defensive element. Plus, he gets forward quite well, and he's scored a few important goals for for France at least. So he'd be an interesting one. He's still only 26, I think. Um, 
so if he's available, which it seems he might be, there was rumours that he would leave in the summer um, from Bayern. I think Pavard would be one. And the other one that comes to mind is um, Timber at Ajax. Well, he's he's outrageous, and he I mean he's he's younger, he's he's better defensively, and has a ridiculous amount of pace and speed to get up and down that wing, and he just does it all day. I'm going to put a really strange one out there, and I recommend you somebody that probably wouldn't come up in conversation normally. Uh, Jonathan Klaus uh, plays at right back for Marseille currently. Um, he's 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 still giving really good um, offensive like statistics as well, but his defensive game is is phenomenal. Um, he was he was only just bought in the summer last year, but. I do feel uh, it was only a, a small amount. Uh, and he's also played a few times for France. He is on the older side, but uh, I do feel that he could be uh, a good little fix until they can find that right man. Right, let's move into the middle then. Uh, we'll, we'll cover the centre-half positions as a collective um, rather than individually because we'll be here all night otherwise. So uh, Virgil van Dijk is obviously a mainstay when he's not injured. Mm. And then you've got sort of Matip or Gomez, who generally tend to start, they the centre half pairings have not been great this season, and like as we've alleged, you know, alluded to already, really that there is there is a significant problem there, and what cause what is causing that? Whether it's a case of there's now a complete lack of confidence, and so that. I think that maybe that veil of invincibility that used to be there that gives you confidence that it doesn't matter, I know I can get there or I can always get, I could be the first man to the ball or I'm, I'm quick enough to make the recovering run that I need to make. That doesn't seem to be there anymore and it's almost like they're scared now to to put the foot wrong and in in that hesitation create themselves more problems. But is it an issue where... Th- like, it's now an aging, aging centre half pairing. Like Van Dijk is the wrong side of thirty. Matip is also the wrong side of thirty. And is that the issue? And equally, like they haven't really got anyone waiting in the wings to just come in. I know you've got um, Kanate, <coughs> Kanate already, and he has started more games, but he's also been a bit injury prone, at least in the early earlier days of his Liverpool career. Is that is this like one of the main problem areas? And like how do you replace Van Dijk as well? Because he he he's had a few big injuries anyway throughout his I say throughout his career. And those will only get worse or his layoffs will only increase with age because, you know, <laughs> it's what happens when you get older. Tell us about it, Matt. We've just taken a photo of all of us holding slippers, so we know we're getting older. Hang on, I had to borrow mine, all right? They weren't mine. I think the thing with this is, they've, you know, Van Dijk has been ever-present, right? Apart from being injured. What hasn't been ever-present is a partnership over the past probably two and a half, three seasons. They've gotten away with it because Van Dijk has been so good. And I think now, where we are is, yeah, a little bit of age may be kicking in, but he's still Van Dijk, right? But opposition teams attackers have been looking at Van Dijk now for two three seasons and they're they're playing against maybe perceived weaknesses or exploiting the fact that this isn't a rigid partnership and I think that just evolution is is creating problems for them and you know I look at 
what would I do here? Look what happened when United brought in Lissandra Martinez. Like Varane looks better because Martinez has come in. And before it used to be Van Dijk would make the others look good. I think now he needs someone to come in, I think almost in the in the, in the reverse of that. Kanate has looked great, injured a lot. Matip and Van Dijk were great together, but Matip has injured a lot. So, you know, if I'm sitting there assessing it, is he, are these injuries just going to continuously reoccur? And if, if, if I think they are, yeah, you got to go out to market for somebody like Lissandro, right? Who's going to be fit, you know, who's that tenacity, that pace, because um, that will actually allow Van Dyke to slightly move away from the previous role where he was kind of trying to save everything. I'm going to mention a name of Tomori. I think Tomori would be a really mm. good shout for Liverpool. He's, bi- he's strong, he's biz- big, he's physical. He's also English. It gives you that homegrown uh, slot, especially if we're going to go out and spend a lot of money. If you want to spend a little bit more or actually a little bit less, Garvidal would be the other one, right? He would be the other one, but isn't he on the move? I don't believe he's, he's. No, he's not on the. No, the, the, it's so confusing. Chelsea have, Chelsea have been a long-term admirer, supposedly, but who haven't they been an admirer of? Yeah. sort of since I think just, Todd Bowley just took me. over. I think I'm the only one. No, no but <laughs> um, he's been very much like there was a. I think he, he was supposed. I guess before the World Cup, it was a case of yes, he might be going in the summer. And now that the World Cup has been and gone and he, and he was fantastic, it's meant that his price has obviously increased. I think he may have even signed a new contract. Oh, has he? Okay, well... To, to increase his value more than, like, more than anything. As I'm a, you know, I just want to, I want to see the best for Liverpool. I'm thinking <laughs> I've got another name I can suggest. Phil Jones? Phil Jones. No, no, no. I mean, I wouldn't disrespect him that. What about Harry Maguire? Next to next to Van Dyke, it would be a good little partnership. Um, but all joking aside, I think I think Tomori would be the one. Um, it would be Tomori's a really good, good signing. Yeah. It'd be a really good signing for them. And he'd finally get an England team if he played in England mm, because Southgate seems to not know any better. <laughs> he hasn't got Southgate hasn't got a passport. That's why. Yeah, true. Right. Finally, then uh, left back. I would dare say probably he's continued to be the standout performer in in this back four. Um, in Robertson, who oddly, like in the well, he's he again is another player who has had his injury problems, but he, he is equally sort of come back and be consistent. And you've noticed a big difference when Simicas comes into the team. He's done okay, and uh, especially his his performances have improved since he first was sort of. He's, he was brought in to cover the Robertson injuries, but he, it's really obvious when Robertson isn't there, not from just the assists, but just the the drive and the passion, which I think it, he's a personality in that team that I think is drastically missing when, uh, and I think when you are struggling for form, those are the sorts of players that you, you rely upon. He also does a lot of the media work after games. He's the one who is sort of, he's a senior figure in that team. He's been with them a, a sort of a long time. And so having someone representing the squad's opinion, irrespective of whether it's a, a little tailored to the media, he does seem to be a relatively honest character and gives a fairly reasonable assessment of events that have gone and gone on in matches in the interviews that I've watched of his, which can, you know, that, Media interviews with footballers 
do tend to be quite sterile because they're trained to be. Because like in the in this day and age where players are or anyone it will be offended by anything being even remotely outlandish with what you're saying is only going to come back and bite you. So in that in that regard, I think he's relatively brave. Obviously on the pitch I think his performances have been okay. Um uh, he, he doesn't He's never really. I know he's got like the a ridiculous number of assists th- throughout. Like a, he now holds the record, right? It's 148 or some. It may even be more than that. Um, I, but I know it was a ridiculous figure. Um, the highest number of assists for a defender in the Premier League. So I don't want to say he he doesn't offer assists, but it feels like his output has has reduced more recently. Um, but that could also be down to the players he's aiming towards to provide those assists um in my opinion i wouldn't whilst i i think age is still on his side relatively speaking yeah. he's got an okay backup in simicas i think money could be better spent elsewhere 100 percent agree yeah agree i mean he's, yeah, he's scottish so I, I, i'm not a big fan but i mean i think <laughs> i think he's again been one of their standout in that back line um he's just a constant reformer what he also gives you is that grit and determination that desire that passion to win um you know and but that's that's good I like him, but I don't because he's Liverpool and Scottish, which is like the worst thing for me. <laughs> Double whammy. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Andy. Uh, right, uh, let's move forwards then. So the midfield triumvirate, the, the three that we've sort of selected as the, at least the mainstays for now, uh, Fabinho, Thiago, and then Jordan Henderson, mm. uh, all of which... Well, I'd say Fabinho isn't isn't actually that old. He just I just feel like he is that 29, old. Twenty nine, thirty. He's not quite thirty, okay. I don't think. Uh, Tiago and Henderson are now over thirty. Uh, Tiago's injuries again have been. He's fragile. Yeah. Uh, he he. And it's not just the same problem either. He's had a few you know, noticeable calf problems, and I guess likewise with with the likes of Robinson. You know when he's not there because he is like a metronome. He's the he is someone who will dictate the pace of a game and equally take the game by the scruff of the neck, which is um it is a weird so he he doesn't he drives the team differently to how I I don't know, maybe someone else, I'm trying to think of a, a, a different example to he's a one of a kind player, if I think. In a way, he's a bit like Paul Scholes, like especially as he got older, where he could control the pace of a game, but equally drive a team forward with his passing, uh, like in that sort of quarterbackish role. Although I think Thiago is a bit more mobile, if not fragile. Mm. Um, but is that midfield getting? Is age now no longer on its side? It, like, the Henderson situation, like when he plays for England, he's very good, very very good at organising. And again, you notice the difference when he's there, um, which obviously the antithesis of that is that he leaves a big hole when he's not. Uh, and I, I guess it's hard asking Dupe to give like opinions that aren't always fucking shit. Uh, I think I've been really <laughs> good at it. Hang on, <laughs> you, no, you've been you know to say you have been, um, but um, I'm going to do another one now. You watch. Go on, go on. I'll let you. I'll let you. I think they'd be absolutely stupid to go to Fabinho. So he has to stay for me. Um, I think 
Henderson and, and Thiago are now bit part players. Uh, Thiago is is world class. He he can, like you said, change a game in a minute, uh, in a second. But I think Harvey Elliott needs more game time in there. I think when he has come in, he's done really, really well. And I think, again, it's good to see the young talent coming through. And this is where they need to spend a lot of their money. They talk a lot about Jude Bellingham. That's a great shout. If they can get him, fantastic. If not, my my second one would be like a player like Barella to sit alongside Harvey Elliott in front of Fabinho. He'll be able to do the box to box. He'll be able to work a lot harder. And that is a dangerous midfield for a long time. Yes, Fabinho is 29-30, but you know, they've he's got he's got the legs on him. And he when he's on form, Fabinho is very, very good. Uh, he's not as good as Casemiro, but he's very, very good. Um but I think there's that's where the money needs to be spent, in my opinion. In that midfield, they need that really good world-class midfielder that can come in and make that trio into something wonderful. And let let Harvey Elliott. I think Jones isn't ready. He plays quite central as well, right? He's sort of he sort of floats a bit. I don't think he's really he doesn't get a lot of no. game time. I don't it uh Carvalho has played more okay. um than than he has, I think. I don't know if it's a case of uh, there's an injury issue or right. or whether Carvalho's just been better when he's played. But um, was it Elliot that broke his foot? Or was that Jones? No, that was Elliot. that was Harvey Elliot. Yeah. So yeah. for him yeah. to come back from that as well, um, he's probably been the best player of the season. I I yeah. watched I watched Harvey Elliot like for an entire season when he was at Blackburn, and he was. He played in again in differing roles. He played sort of a bit out wide as well as occasionally centrally, but it was it was more often out wide than 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 centrally. But he he was fantastic, even though he doesn't he doesn't he's not like express quick, but creatively he's just fantastic. Equally can score some some really good quality goals, and I think that year in the championship did him a a lot of good in in seasoning him a little bit. I think he was a little bit lightweight. Uh, prior to that, but he was he was fantastic for Blackburn in that season. And then last season, had he have not had that that unfortunate injury, which which it just was like it's one of those where it was never intentional, but he just you know he got caught up and crumpled. He still got a red card though, didn't it? It was Leeds, wasn't it? Yes, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, uh, yeah. Just a. An unfortunate one, but he could have had a completely different season. And equally, who knows what would have happened to Liverpool season? He could have potentially been six months further on in his development, but he has uh, become more and more important to that Liverpool team. I think, and maybe that it's sort of a it is kind of underlining the changing of the guard transition that they're having to make. I think that's as you say that, Matt. That's exactly what I'm thinking about. A comparison here, parking the money situation. If you look at Real Madrid, where they were like Casemiro, Cruz, Modric, right? They know that this is combined an aging midfield that they need to address in the coming seasons. Granted, they spent a lot of cash, but Chouameni and Camavinga have come in there. And there's obviously a clear plan. We talk about succession a lot on this pod in terms of those plans. Liverpool have been talking around and dancing around Bellingham for two seasons by the looks of things. But what I don't understand is if I go back even to the summer or a bit earlier, the likes of um, Mateus Nunez, Joao Palinha, these guys who are elite players, granted it's Portuguese league, but Liverpool know that league well. These are players that probably could have gone in for, for at the time, 25, 30 million. They've gone on to obviously the likes of, you know, Wolves and, and Fulham. These guys would be far better in that midfield than, than kind of 
and an in and out Thiago and obviously an aging Henderson. And instead, they've gone and obviously spent a hell of a lot of money on Nunez and and you know Gakpo wasn't too expensive. But did they need Gakpo most recently? No, I would say. I don't know why there's a. It seems to be like a reluctance to to take maybe a little bit of a gamble on a player like that. And now they've gone on. You know, even like someone like you know, you look at Bruno Guimaraes. No big clubs really went in for him at Leon, and like he he's clearly good enough. But just big clubs not taking a gamble on on those types of players for what I would perceive to be decent value, 30, 40 million. It's kind of madness because now they're in that situation where it's really costing them and there's so many holes in that midfield and through the defence as a result. But keep keep Fabino, 100% agree. But yeah, definitely to address a better box-to-box midfielder and a younger player, it's a young man's game. Is there, I mean, is there a, well, well I guess it, this kind of all ties into everything anyway, but is this a bigger issue of Michael Edwards no longer being part of their recruitment? Uh, like mm. ultimately, like that is a huge change. He he was the one who effectively constructed these teams, uh, or the te- and since his departure, it feels like it's gone a bit wayward with the the decisions on transfer targets and that line of succession is no longer really there like obviously they've got maybe some fruits of that labor coming through in the likes of Harvey Elliott who he would have signed and Cavallio both of which came from Fulham Mm. um so maybe there is a, a little bit of his fingerprint still left in that line of succession but equally you not all of those work out You've got the for every Harvey Elliott and uh, and um, Fabio Cavallio you you bring through, you've got the likes of um, Sepp Van whatever his surname is Pendant who Bird. just hasn't who he just hasn't worked out. He he's now twenty two twenty three. They picked him up when he was nineteen, maybe eighteen, and he's just he hasn't developed. You've got Nat Phillips who has. Been there. He's now twenty six, I think, which, right. which is crazy when you think about it. Like I feel like he, he's a player that was twenty, has been twenty one for a long time. But yeah, he's now, you know, he's actually one of the more senior players in that team, which is crazy, um, and is no longer a youngster. Um, but anyway, I th- I do wonder if that's maybe maybe it. And so the the actual backroom staff replacing the likes of Michael Edwards and and his replacement is has also left or is leaving I don't know if if that was immediate or not but that was announced relatively recently so there seems to be alongside the unrest in regards to the actual ownership there is other unrest as well it just seems a bit of an unhappy camp in general um but we'll we'll go over the forward line um, before we move into sort of some of the the more general issues that we would deal on a sort of like a football manager basis I think to try and turn things around so you've got uh, like a a front three of Salah and then you've got uh, Luis Diaz or Gakpo uh, as well as uh, Nunez Jota and Firmino as your sort of more central options although they do all tend to flit around quite a lot so we just sort of group them as the forward line that you can see here that this is probably the area they've invested most heavily in more recently. Uh, Diaz was a January transfer in 2022. You've had Gakbo in January 23. Uh, Nunez was the summer 22. 
so and then Jota was what a couple of seasons ago now. So Firmino and Salah have been there the longest. They've obviously lost Mane as well over the summer, who's gone to Bayern. Maybe it's a case of he Mane's perhaps a bit more of a a bigger miss, like it with hindsight than perhaps was appreciated. Obviously, he contributed a fair number of goals and assists, and the players that have been brought in to replace him have not replaced those assists collectively. It's weird. I'll be honest, Matt. As we sit here and we look at this team and we read this team, right? And like you said, I was shocked when what we're seeing with Mane's departure, that we're seeing such such a lack of, of conversion. And the, the chances that they create, the amount that they do create, and the quality that they've got up here, I, I, I cannot... I just can't get across to myself how they're not scoring more goals. When you look at the names on the pitch, on the sheet that we've got here, they are some really good players. Um, and, and I just really can't... I mean, I know Diaz has been out for a lot, quite a while now, right? But Gakpo's come in. He was so good in the World Cup. And how he's not got that to get onto the pitch. How Klopp's not got it. I don't understand how these guys are not scoring goals. And they are creating the chances. Look at the, the chances that Darwin's missed. He should be scoring those chances and he will score and it will he will come good. And I think that may solve a lot of their problems because they're not scoring enough goals and putting teams under pressure. But that I, that's not a bad six to have to fill three positions. Let's be honest. No, on paper, on paper, that's a like you, you look at that and you think, you know, for for all of the forward positions, there's not many teams in the league who have a better collective better collective of forward players right really like on on paper we're talking like very strictly on paper yeah yeah absolutely and it's just surprising that they've got the it's a good te- i mean it's not much that it's not a different that a hugely different team than the team that were in all four competitions very late into the season last year the only big loss is mane and I still think that that midfield is struggling since they got rid of uh, Wijnaldum and they've not filled that gap. But still, they still did bits last season. And it's so confusing. I really can't get my head around it. And I'm glad I'm not a Liverpool fan. The only thing I can think here is, like, there's two things that go through my head. I think one is Klopp would love to have Jota back to take a bit of pressure and limelight off Nunes because it's all on Nunes, goals-wise. I think having Jota back would really just give a bit of breathing space for Nunes and, and It's Klopp not just breathing space. He he brought... I, I think he was probably the most surprising signing that they've made more recently because mm. he hit the ground running. He and did. he wasn't really, like, a goal scorer at Wolves. I mean, sorry, Mr. Azapardi, he just wasn't. Mm. He, he he would get occasional goals, but he wasn't wasn't the goal scorer whereas he's become more of a set like he's become a like a center point to yeah. when, when he when he was playing and he picks up goals as a result like he's actually he's not tiny but he's actually much better in the air than people would give him credit for and he makes it would make a difference when he would, would come on for Firmino mm. he would change the dynamic completely he's a completely different kind of player but he's actually pretty adept at finishing and would get important goals and that is obviously missing so not only would he sort of I think be a bit of relief for when Nunes is whilst Nunes is still finding his feet and I think as it always tends to be with strikers they're confidence players 
uh, even though it's such a like a cliche to say that i even the like even the the greats like shearer who went for what three years without scoring an england goal and needed like the backing from terry venables to say you are my number 9 you will be starting in euro 96 to actually break that duck eventually the uh, um, i guess the more contemporary version is is harry kane who for season upon season upon season doesn't turn up in august mm. uh, and then but still manages by the end of the season to be up there when it comes to golden boot time and this season it's been like that's that's been the biggest difference he's actually hit the ground running for the first time in a long time where he's actually opened his account in in august whereas Nunes, I think, because he's young, he there's there's a lot going on. Like I can't, I I can't try to imagine like having never been a professional footballer, what is going through his head. But you take away like the football side of it, that's a lot for someone relatively young to be going through. Like new country, don't speak the language, probably don't have your family here, like. All of that anxiety and all of that pressure outside of football. So that's not even taking into account like the match day experience, the people on the terraces shouting. It doesn't matter like if you can understand them or not. You can generally tell from the veracity of the the way that your name is being chanted and the way it's being chanted and if you're being booed or not, whether it's positive or negative. You get a feeling for that sort of thing, even if you don't understand it. Like that's a lot for one man's shoulders, regardless of age, to take on. And it's broken probably more confident players. That, that sort of melting pot of difficulty, I'm going to call it. But I think it's, you know, that pressure all on him, It's it, for anyone it would be impossible to shake off, right? If you see Nunes score a goal, like when a striker scores a goal, it should be elation, euphoria, celebration. You know, you, you have to think that there's probably a sense of relief from him, from Klopp, whenever Nunez scores a goal, and it shouldn't really be like that. But I think overall, like if we just go back to the to the front three, or the, or kind of six the players that we're talking about, it's very hard to say any of them should leave. I mean, part of me thinks should they have taken a big truckload of cash for Salah at the time, and they could do a lot with that. Did they know they'd need the cash? But I feel like because they're not playing well, like Fabino's not himself, the midfield is struggling. They're conceding goals they haven't conceded for years. Where before Klopp could put a lot more of his attention on on the front three, on the front five, you know, interchanging roles and and getting them really ticking because he knows he's got that solid foundation and baseline of not conceding silly goals because the midfield, Fabinho will do his thing. He's having to solve problems elsewhere on the pitch and not pump as much into the front three, which he would have done before with Mane, Salah and Firmino to make them that ferocious front three. So I think that's definitely a problem for sure. But I, I can't see any need to to sell any of them. I think he needs some time with them. But I think an interesting question that we might get to is about sticker twist with Klopp. But we'll uh, we'll finish in the squad first, Matt, won't we? Well, the so I think we've kind of I feel like like I said from the outset with this the the. The forward positions, it's the area they've heavily invested in in comparison to the rest of the squad more recently. 
So you're unlikely to either, you can continue to throw money at the problem and it will not necessarily solve itself. From a football manager perspective, the the bigger problem is like if we take the current situation like we're taking over this squad from now and they're sat in 10th in the Premier League and you're expected to be getting Champions League football this season especially with the money that's been invested over the last two transfer windows what are you doing or what are we what are we doing to try and improve that position like th- that's ultimately so we've we've run right over the the squad and who we would stick and twist with We've, to- we've we've touched on some of the potential promising talents that are coming through. But in terms of how we improve the on-field performances as immediately as possible, what would we be doing now? Uh, what changes would be, we be making? Like, is there, does it need a drastic mentality shift to, to correct things? Like, what, what would we do? How, like, obviously from the outside looking in with the squad available to us right now to improve things I think for me I would completely try and look to drop this whole Gagan press style um, we have got older players in that midfield we've got older players up front I think for me that would be a big thing with the pace and the, uh, the some of the youngsters we got out wide I would probably go for more of a counter uh, sit a bit deeper let them let them come to us and then kind of get them on the break, try and be as defensively solid as possible. Um, you can't lose games if you don't concede goals, as is a Michael Owen quote. Um, and I think that's how I'd look to focus. Um, try and give uh, Thiago as much freedom in the middle, whereas drop Henderson a bit deeper alongside Fabinho maybe and have them just as defensively as, as sound as possible. Um, I would still keep Trent at right back, but that's, that's a different story. Um, and then just basically just let us attack them you know, I would push to try and attack as quick as he, uh, change that transition to as quick as an attack as possible. That was difficult for me to say. Uh, and just try not to waste our energy running after that ball. Things I'm going to, so I'm going to, I'm going to sort of question that just because bearing in mind, like whether it's a case of we're taking over from Klopp or not, it, it doesn't really matter. Like whether we are being Klopp in this situation is kind of irrelevant. But what you're suggesting here is such a drastic change yeah. from what they're currently doing, what they've known for as long as Klopp has been in charge for, that that, that isn't something that like we, we know from, at least from a football manager perspective, that's something that is going to take time to work. Like tactical familiarity will go out of the window. So you're going to be playing on the back foot anyway, as it is like whilst the team gets used to it. You as a manager would have to get used to it, especially if you were Klopp as well. It's like because we've all been there, like we've we've made a tactical change, like we've taken a risk. We've whether it's been a, a change of shape, change of mentality, what a change of player roles, whatever it has been, it's not worked. That what's what's the first thing that you do? Go to Old Faithful and see if it works again. And that and like, there's always that risk that you try it, but not for long enough, and you don't persevere with it enough, especially when the pressure's on, and you 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 don't stick it out to the end, and in, instead you end up shooting yourself in both feet rather than just one. But it's not working now, so it needs something needs to change. He's not getting the results he needs to. He's, they're leaking too many goals. They're not scoring enough goals. They look tired. They're getting a lot of injuries to key players. It, for me, this would be just about... This isn't a, 
a, a change of style for the whole rest of the time this is just to try and get that stability back before going again at this current moment in time it's pretty i mean i still think they could get top four if they have a good run but it's a pretty much it's a, getting that good run it's right. getting a good run and it's a pretty much a write-off season so i would just go to try and be as defensively sound as possible that would be my main it, focus play as defensive as possible and get them on the counter i think the thing is if it's sorry i let you uh it, it feels very similar to when van dyke was out for sort of the the whole season like when he got that injury against um Everton Everton in the Merseyside derby good tackle and they but they did I'm joking <laughs> but they the didn't adapt they didn't adapt uh, and they persevered with how they were playing with players that were not of the same quality whereas now they have still have the play like they have players of the quali- of the quality but maybe they are just I say whether it's confidence, whether it's age is catching up, they're unable to do what they were doing, or they've been found out. That's the alternative. People know, like they've been playing this for so long. Teams know how to play against them, and you look at the teams that they're playing that they are losing against. Brighton have their number, yeah, and ha- like in so in the two two most recent games they play, they've lost both of them, yeah, and then to to Brighton who who play a you know a. They can't. Brighton play a sort of a hybrid style. Like it's 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 a lot more. Their pressing game is a lot more trigger based. In and I know, like we'll get people that say it's all trigger based. Well, I I get that, but in terms of like they are the the trigger points are are different and very specific. So you don't see them wasting a lot of energy in pressing in situations where there isn't a chance of winning the ball back in in an advantageous position I think it, the only other thing I can think of and it won't really solve any problems this season like I'm not sure what's the story with the ownership we might talk about that in a minute before we finish on the topic so whether they have money or not I don't know but there's something wrong here with the amount of injuries they have because it's, it's become asthma. a bit of a meme it's, it's become a bit of a meme that Klopp has lots of excuses but like Jota, Diaz, Thiago, Robertson, um, Matip, Konate between them. Like, like, there's a hell of a lot of injuries in this team. When I think about other teams, like, like look, look at Arsenal, if I look at Newcastle, even United, there's, there's a lot more consistency. So just something I'm doing in, in the background here is, and may, maybe it's linked to Dupe's point about, you know, this is an aging team where it's too much press. It's, it's just asking an awful lot. And you're just killing your players. I think I'm either looking at what is it a backroom staff thing? Is it a medical thing? Or is it just I need to be a bit more strategic about when I'm doing that, deploying that press and how frequently well, in training and matches because that's far too many injuries for a top top four team, top six. But you look at the so not a Spurs podcast, honest, but like but Pochettino had the same same situation where he ran players into the ground for two seasons yeah. mm. and then wondered why they just weren't performing. And I feel like absolute burnout. Yeah, it's just because. And bear in mind, I know it's not the, the the league situation, and it's it's something we don't have to really deal with in in FM to a certain point because it's easy to just uh, we just you know you highlight players and rest them. It's not like in real life that doesn't doesn't happen. You can't just highlight players and say, "Oh, you're not training today," because the, 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 there is there is always going to be they always have to do a bit of training in it, even if it's not at as higher intensity. 
but dupe you are completely right about burnout being a thing bearing in mind we've had three relatively unprecedented seasons back to back to back where we've had a covid season where they had basically they weren't playing and then all of a sudden they're playing again so there's a big gap in between trying to where they're trying to keep fit uh, but not in ideal scenarios you've then had the seasons be closer together and so the the pre-seasons have been shortened and then this season you've had a world cup in the middle so but throughout all of that you've also had uh, you also had the delayed euros it the, these players are not getting the breaks that they should be or were used to getting so i do wonder if it's a case of this accumulative stress on aging like players who are getting older's bodies and there is going to be a finite point where where those bodies have had enough and i think jordan henson's probably been one of the players that's been most vocal about sort of player welfare in that regard in that they are not they are seen as commodities and not humans anymore and i guess that's it. like this is more of a a greater political issue when it comes to football and and how the players are viewed by the game as itself and whether they are seen as humans or whether they are well, seemingly seen as robots and that they can just continue to carry on when when playing such an intensive style like in FM you get the the little warning saying like high level of uh intense play and the the level of strain the increased injury risk all of the signs are there if you are playing a particular style of football and maybe it is a case that Klopp has been kind of ignoring that a bit too much and it obviously doesn't have the same <laughs> the same level of um of well maybe he probably does it's probably doctors saying oh you can't you know we need to give this guy a rest this week um and I think if you've watched any of the all or nothings, you can see that like the the club doctors do actually do that, and they are concerned about player welfare. Anyway, I'll do. I'll let you raise your point now because I've talked for long. Enough. No, no, I'm just. I've just got a final point. I'm going to just do a bit of an oracle dupe after this uh, really good podcast. I actually really enjoyed talking about this. Um, I can't wait to see Liverpool smash. Um, uh, Real Madrid in the, in the Champions League and just put us all to shame and then have a really good season. Um, Probably but, win the Champions League. <laughs> win the Champions League now. Um, but no, you, you're absolutely right, Matt. And and um, that was kind of my point with the the whole kind of getting away from the press is they are just knackered. Absolutely knackered. They look it, they feel it. They You know, when they go down and, they, and you know, they, against Wolves last week, they didn't really look like they cared that they went. They were losing. You know, there was no intensity shift when they went one 0 down or two 0 down. Uh, and to let a team, no, no offense, as a party like Wolves, who struggled to score this year already, score three goals against you, not good, not good. But yeah, no, I, uh, I think, I think you're right. I think maybe it's that seven year ick for for Klopp. Has anyone seen Dave since? No, is he okay? I haven't heard from him. I think he's Dave, like, tweet, tweet a hole us, or please. something. He's, he's sort of being sort of no in Dave. It's Friday night. Head. He's probably in a very dark hole. Uh, we'll we'll wrap things up uh, there. We, there were a few other points that we kind of wanted to touch on, but I feel like we've we've kind of touched over everything without being too specific. Uh, and equally, I don't want to start falling into the pitfalls of just talking about football without an FM twist, which I think we would do um, 
on some of the other bits that we'd highlighted. So it is quiz time. Mr. Madden, take it away. It's time for the quiz. Yes, indeed, Matt. We can do a quiz. Before we do the quiz quickly, though, sticking on the Liverpool topic, Matt, uh, a guy who we know quite well is Jonathan Aspie. Um, he's written on the site before for us, I think. Actually has written a book and released it lately called Spice Up Your Life, um, about the Roy Evans kind of phase at Liverpool in the 90s. So just thought it was worth Spice shouting that up. Um, this is a Liverpool podcast just for one week only, so um, check that out as well. No, no um, disrespect. Because no, I can't read, but I'm not going to read. Um, Dupe's not going to be buying. <laughs> Matt, are you going to be doing the voiceover for that? I've not been approached. Uh, that's, this is very awkward. At Nerdphonic on Twitter. But in the meantime, let's do a quiz. So, straightforward enough quiz this week, lads. Uh, Premier League quiz. What I want to do is I have a list of 10 players in front of me here. I'm going to be looking for the players with the most number of league appearances per nationality. So, for example, if I was to ask you for the top uh, English appearance holder in the Premier League, you would tell me it's... Barry. Gareth Barry, indeed. It's not a question, Dupe. Sorry, you're not going to point oh, for that. Oh, fuck. <laughs> can we work together? Can we do this as a team? Yeah. I'll let you do as a team. So what we're going to do we'll is... We'll play Joe. If you, we'll let us play Joe. Is Joe going to... Do you want to ring Joe quickly? Tyler, no. quick? No. no. He's lost. Done. We win. It's half ten okay. on a Friday night. He's shagging. So Say sorry. goodbye, folks. <laughs> He's in his dressing gown, wearing our slippers. So uh, I'll give you a country, and Only if you give me slipper. the if you give me the player name, um, I'm going to give you three points. If you give if you struggle, I'll give you the club. Sorry, I'll give you the position for two points, and then if I give you the club, it's one point. So uh, I mean, yeah, when but are we you doing can collectively. Work is there really a point of doing the points? Um, well, it's I'm, I'm going to try not to give you clues. I'll try not to make him feel like we include him, Matt. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You can say out of a maximum of yeah. out of a maximum certain number of points here, we managed to achieve as a team X number of points. Yes. Okay. So the team. maximum Fine. points on offer would be thirty. How's that? Good maths. Okay. Do it for Joe. Right. So first question, first nation nationality I'm looking for is, of course, the Republic of Ireland. So who's the highest number of Premier League appearances? Nobody cares. Given. Dags. It is of course Shea Given. So that's three points on the board as well done. That's a given. We'll move though. on. <laughs> Let's move on to Scotland. He's keen. I got a great Harry Potter joke. I can't. <laughs> Let's move on to Scotland. Most Premier League appearances from for Scotland. Right. From when Scotland. I say this, I'm just talking to Matt. Okay, so we're not. Okay. Conferring. Um, okay. Yeah, we're conferring. conferring. Uh, on Premier League, it's a really weird shout. But what about Fletch? Darren Fletcher. Oh, I was going to say Darren Fletcher, yeah, would be up there. Yeah. I'm happy to go with that for a guess. Are you one. still conferring, or is that no, your no, final that's, that's answer? No, that's our guess one. So the correct answer is Darren Fletcher. It was 341 appearances. I should have said Shea Given had 451. So that's another three points, lads. Okay, we're good at Let's this, keep Matt. going. Next, I'm going to ask you for Australia. Mark Viduco, I reckon, Matt. That's the only one I can No, 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 no. It, 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 oh, like, no, it oh, the keeper. Schwarzer. It could be. There's a number. Hang on. I was going to say Tim shy. Cahill. He's very Cahill. excited, Matt. <laughs> no, Tim just, Cahill just... or Lucas Neal would be my two okay. guesses. I'm gonna. I, I. I would go with Tim. Tim Cahill. Or actually, or even Brett Emerton. Brett Emerton could because he 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 played a lot of games. Hmm. So tough one, Matt. Um, that is tough. I think it's more likely to be Tim Cahill out of that. 
or Mark Schwarzer. Yeah, it could but... be the keeper. But then, did he play much? He played, yeah, he had a long spell at Chelsea. Chelsea. What about Bosnich? No, he wasn't there long enough. That... You mean... Wasn't sober long enough. Fulham or Middlesbrough. He not, was a... Not Chelsea. Uh, Schwarzer was um, at Chelsea for a bit, wasn't he? He was at Chelsea. He never played, yeah, play. yeah, okay. yeah. Um... Should we go to Tim Cahill or, or, or Schwarzer? We can go, let's go Cahill. Okay. The Cahill for... For the header. Final answer, Tim Cahill. It's yeah. not yeah. Tim Cahill. Okay, anyway, we'll have another go. Yes. Schwarzer? <laughs> Schwarzer. Yeah, go for Schwarzer. Mark Schwarzer is the correct answer. Okay. Uh, he, Mark Schwarzer had 514 appearances for four How many did Cahill have? Tim Cahill, uh, I don't have it on the list. Okay, uh, don't ask again. So next, we will move on to France. Oh, that's a good one. I am thinking straight off the bat, Thierry Henry. Yep. I'm thinking straight yep. off. Because um, I can't think of anyone else that would. And now could play for a lot of clubs, but I don't think he had that amount of games. No, and he also spent a long time outside of England as well. So we'll go first guess, Thierry Henry. Yeah, yeah. I can tell you it is not Thierry Henry. Okay. And also he's prick. Uh, oh, he's, he's very oh, handy. That was, that was out of yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Out of hand. Out of hand. Um, okay, so not Thierry. What about Vieira? Could Ooh. be Vieira. Could be uh, someone like... Cool. It depends how long it goes back, though, right? Premier League era, so that's... no, no, I know, but like how far mm. back the f- in the era it goes? There isn't. The, I'm trying to th- like the mm. French. I reckon you do have screen. options. So for one we, point, you can no, ask we, we him for the position. We don't want to know that. We're gonna get. We this. don't want to give you that. <laughs> I'm just trying to give I, us a I, standout I, not, player. It, yeah, I don't think it's not going to be a Pogba because no, he's he didn't play like, enough. He's injured all the fucking time. Yeah, so it's not definitely not a Pogba um, or a Pie. Perez Giroud Giroud's a great shout because he's been in and around places. Any, he? he's been yeah, Arsenal. Gi- Giroud or. I'm wondering if there's like one of those really. Uh, I'm trying to think of someone obscure. Oh, Ever Ever had a long time. Ah, Everett. It's got to be Everett. Yes, that's a, a great show. Yep, Everett. I'm I'm down for Everett. You down for Everett, lads, for the final answer? Yeah, I reckon so. I can tell you, it's not Patrice Everett. <laughs> Fuck my life. <laughs> I'll throw you a bone. No, we're good. No. Go on, get, give us a bone. Yeah, because we, we've we've gone to one point anyway. It doesn't matter. So I'll give you the position. This player, predominantly a centre half. Distan. Can't be Desai. Fuck. Oh, Sylvan Distan. Sylvan Distan, four hundred and sixty-nine appearances Shit, in the Premier League. That's such an easy one for five clubs. That really hurt my hands. Clapping. <laughs> Dupe's very happy with himself. No, that hurt my hands. Really, <laughs> really hurt my hands. Right, that was that was four. Question number five is going to be the most Premier League appearances for an Argentinian. Sabaleta Tevez. Mm-hmm. 
Sabaleta's a good shout. Aguero? Aguero. Now they've taken it away. Um, yeah. All of the Man City players. Yeah, I think that's... Um, well, I mean, Tevez is probably more. West Ham. Mascarano? He wasn't at Liverpool long, was he? No. They would be my Zabaleta would probably be my pick out of the bunch. Mm, I probably think it's a toss up between yeah Aguero, Tevez, or Zabaleta. Okay, let's go. Just go Zabaleta because he's he did West Ham and Man City. But yeah. That's, yeah, yeah. The only that's, one I'm yeah. thinking of is the centre back at Newcastle. Uh, Colacini is the only one that I'm thinking of, but he also spent seasons in the Championship, lol. Okay, so go with go with um go with uh, Zabaleta. Final answer, Zabaleta. Yeah, yeah. Three hundred and three appearances for two clubs. It was Pablo Zabaleta. I thought he was going to ask you about points he gave us. <laughs> <laughs> Never. That gets you three points, lads. Great shout, Zabaleta. My indeed. Hand's still hurt, by the way. If, <laughs> if only it was Colacini. <laughs> Mm. Right, we continue on. Number six is going to be the United States. Oh, that's easy. Brad Friedel. Yeah, next. 100. Mm. 100. Final answer. I think it was Brad more than appearances. Is correct. 450 appearances wow. for four separate clubs in the Premier League. Well done. Another three points on the board, lads. Didn't he have we'll like some sort going. of... I know, it's a, I know it's a tangent, but didn't he have some sort of record of like the most continuous games played and then got yeah, sent it, off it, randomly? No, no, it wasn't got sent. He just got he got he got beaten by Frank Lampard. Because uh, he like just played, I think. played certain amount just of games, consecutive yeah. games. Yeah, yeah. I Obviously, thought he got yeah. sent yeah, yeah, off yeah. though to kind of stop that run. No, I don't I think, think he was watching he, other uh, Premier League years. Maybe I it may have been that he might be, but I think it just he transferred uh, away. And so, if you got that, something like that it may have been. But no, he he was oh, so good. Yeah. But considering how shaky his Liverpool career was. And then drop down a division to join Blackburn, and then Blackburn made him, mate. Congrats! So good, so good. Hero. Where to next, then, mate? Where to next for question number seven? We're going to go to Brazil. The most appearances for a Brazilian in the Premier League. Reddington. I don't think there'd be many, will there? Yeah, that's one. Could it be one of the twins? Yeah, the Rafael. Could it be? Edison, David Luiz. David Luiz is a good shout, or or Allison actually, for that matter, because it mate like he's like a. Fabinho's been about a long time. Sorry, Fabinho's been about a long time. Fabinho's or Fernandinho. Fernandinho, who was at or, City for eight years. Or oh, what's his name? William. I don't think he's playing. Chelsea, Arsenal, Fulham. Yeah, but not playing a lot. Okay. Do you want to go Fernandinho then? I reckon for, it, Fernandinho. Or David Luiz. On, one of those two, he I He spent some time away, didn't he? He went PSG. Yeah. Oh, we... It's tough, actually. Yeah, we said that there's not that many, and then we just reeled just off, named off a fucking whole load of names. <laughs> <laughs> what about, what's the, um, what's the goalkeeper, Watford goalkeeper? He was in Herelia, Herelio Gomez. Gomez. He was Tottenham. He was. Yeah. Mm, 
He was Watford. That's not a bad shout either. Yeah. I'll go with you, Matt. Whatever you want. I, I haven't got a clue. So like, I have got a clue, but th that would be my guesses. I'd either no go Fernandinho, Willian or Gomez. I think we'll start with Fernandinho and then we'll work our way down. <laughs> okay. I said, we should bring back the Viking Dan rule here. Uh, I can tell you it is not Fernandinho. Okay. Is it Gomez? <laughs> is that your second final answer? Yes. yes. <laughs> I can tell you it is not Aurelio Gomez. But <laughs> <coughs> do you want to go with one of your decisions as I just cough my, my drink up? <laughs> Uh, I feel like my two pointless answers were not pointless. So, would you like to? Would you like to have a guess? Is it going to be David Louise? Is it David Louise? Could be. I think it, I think he's done over two hundred. So that's quite a lot. We're we going David Louise. Should we do David Louise? Let's do David Louise. Do David Fuck it. David Louise is also incorrect. <laughs> Okay, right, next question then. So, what's the clue? Clue, I'll give you a clue. Yeah. Uh, I will give you position largely a winger in the Premier oh, League. Fucking Willian then. Not Richarlison? Fuck's sake. No, he's just, he's just nodding. It's Willian. <laughs> it I'm is Willian. I'm not talking to you ever it again, Matt. <laughs> I'm not talking to you ever again. I was right. It was one of the first <laughs> ones he said and then you moved yourself yeah. away from it. So Willian for three different clubs. The thing is, you uh, just don't... Uh, 274. Think, yeah, but he barely played at Arsenal. But I do think... He was fucking yeah, trash. I know. But don't you think that, that statistics like that, that, it's so easy to mask those statistics. Like, I'm thinking like, matey boy from, uh, like Ramirez, who I, I can remember seeing him so much, but I bet he didn't play that much, you know, for Chelsea and stuff like that. And I think that's where this sort of stuff really ticks your brain. Sorry, Matt. Yeah. Go on then. Where are you going next? You're all right. Couple more to go. So next up, we are going to go to Spain. Most Premier League appearances for a Spanish player. David Silva. David Silva. Or, or De Gea, maybe. Right, De Gea's on. Wait, he just had he just had some stupid thing. Is that like three hundred and something? I think he's just. Is it? Is just? Is it? Is three hundred that we just had like the thing? Or is he just shy of four hundred? He's been there for 12 years. So my two, I'm thinking, De Gea. If it's De Gea, I think if he plays this weekend, he's on 400 appearances. Or it's Cesc Fabregas. That's my two. See, I think, oh, I think I would think David Silva would probably have started more than Fabregas. Let's go. Fabregas, <coughs> I, reckon, I reckon De Gea, then Silva. Okay. It, it, I think, yeah, because I'm pretty sure De Gea would be on 400 against Leeds this weekend. If he plays, I'm sure that I've read that somewhere, or we've had an email from Man United about it, which would mean he'd be on. Do we get a bonus point? He'd be on 399. No, you're doing well just to be just still be here. Okay, right, we're gonna go David de Gea. Final answer. Yes. Yeah. David de Gea will indeed make his 400th appearance hey, the weekend too, because I'm he's currently on 399. There you go. I'm a good fan. Great shout, dude. Well done. David De Gea. Right. blowing hot air. Exactly. Shit fan. Two to go. So the penultimate question of the evening is the most Premier League appearances for a player from Germany. Germany. Mertesacker or uh, Podolski? Well, we're shit. We, we only ever have had Schweinsteiger. 
which mer like I don't I'm trying to think of any other Germans. A Balak would be another. Is there a current German player? Ah, or Rudiger? I'd say he's probably the most. Uh, 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 uh what's his name? Erzul. Erzul, mm, possibly. Isn't Leno? I got the. No, oh, he was. He wasn't. But he's not really. He's barely played. I would have thought Balak would have probably more played more games than he has. I tell you what, we haven't had like an old one. What about someone Lehman? like Layman? Ah, Layman's a great show, actually. Yeah, let's go. I'd say. Or, hang on, I've still got some more. Oh. Oh. <laughs> this this is on. where you go wrong, lads. You just keep going next and next and next. <laughs> so, Didi Harman played a lot of games. <clears throat> and then my other one would be Premier League winner, Robert Hoof. Yeah. That's my three. We so I shouldn't have said those. Sorry? We shouldn't have said those. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> He's forgotten the one you were about things. to go with now because you've given him three more. Layman's a good shot. I'll let you... I, I reckon, yeah, we'll go with Lock, lock Layman in first. Lock Layman? We'll Where's that? In Scotland? That's Lock Lohman. Oh, sorry. <laughs> lock Layman oh. is incorrect, boys. Not we're all out at sea, Matt. We're all out at sea. Um... I'm going to go with Robert Hoof and I'm going to put my, my, my dick Hoof. on the table and go with Robert Hoof Matt you back in I'm, your boy Doop it's fine it's fine but, um, throwing Doop out to the Wolves <sighs> no he didn't play for it's Wolves a... he played for Leicester he's played for four teams and got himself 322 appearances it is of course Robert Hoof the most capped German in the Premier League era well done have, uh, have you got any other stats like where Lehman was no, I actually don't, because then okay. I would have I would like have fifty players on this sheet, and that's okay. Friday evening, I mean, and I've been drinking. Curry would have done that. To say. Curry would have done that. Bring <laughs> back Curry. Shall we go for the last one? Yeah, we might as well. My Let's, is getting last out but not least, I'm going to ask you for the most Premier League appearances for a Danish player in the Premier League. Yeah, Daniel Agger. So it wasn't, he wasn't really there for Ericsson. that long. Ericsson, pro, actually, Eric, Ericsson's probably the the most... Um, <clears throat> Schmeichel. Yes. Ericsson or Schmeichel. <clears throat> They'll be the... Okay. Oh, but which Schmeichel? <laughs> uh, Peter, Peter's got more than Casper. Hang on, no, she's... Peter's got more than Casper. Oh, has he though? I'm sure. I'm sure Peter's done more than Casper because he had a little time at City as well. And Villa. Mm. But on uh... a side note, I saw a lovely little reminder of that time Peter Schmeichel grabbed the pitch invader and just literally threw him off the field, and he's gone flying across the <laughs> across the yeah, touchline. That's great. Um, let's say Schmeichel and see if he's just going to be nice to us. <laughs> he's not going to be nice to us. Collectively, between them both. Yes, like, the Schmeichels yeah. have won. <laughs> I'm sorry, what was your final answer? Schmeichel. <laughs> Schmeichel. I'm going to need a first name. <laughs> Cas uh, Peter. I can tell you that Peter Schmeichel 
is not the correct answer. Is Casper? Is that your second final answer? Is the other Schmeichel? <laughs> I can tell you that Casper Schmeichel is also not the correct answer. So is it Ericsson? No, I don't think it is. Ericsson's not done more than uh, Peter Schmeichel. But he was at Spurs for ages. <sighs> And he's also then pretty much played a half season at Brentford and played most games for United until he got injured this season. What's the um, what's the keeper that scored for Stoke? He was Danish. Sorensen. Thomas Sorensen. That's it. That's it, isn't it? It's Thomas Sorensen. Is that your final yeah. answer? And he hates it because he played for Sunderland for fucking years. <laughs> I can't forget that. that or, like yeah, Danish Macam bastard. Like he's got to be him. Final answer locked in. Thomas Sorensen. Yes. With yeah. 364 appearances for three clubs in the Premier League. Thomas Sorensen, the most capped Danish player in the Premier League. That would have proper fucked us up because we would have done Casper and then Peter and he went, well, the position is goalkeeper. And would have gone, <laughs> fuck! That's what I was hoping would happen, but no. It wasn't to be. But well done, lads. Good team effort there, I will say, even though you spent most of the time confusing the shit out of yourselves just going too many names. But you scored an impressive 27 out of 30 points. Wow. So, GG's. Well done, boys. 90s football, Matt. Loving it. Enjoyed that. An hour and 20-minute pod, let's go. We we normally say 20-minute pods. Getting your value this week. Plus an hour. Anyway, that brings episode 287 to a close. You can find the links for each of us in the podcast description or by visiting 5starpotential.com where you can find all our latest Football Manager content, including eight left-sided centre-backs you should sign an FM23. And there's also the other plug, uh, the Spice Boys era book. I can't remember the title. Spice Up Your Life. Spice Up Your Life, thank you very much, uh, by Mr. Aspie, friend of the pod. Uh, so uh, make sure you check that out as well. It's only just come out this week. Uh, Five Star Potential is available on iTunes, Spotify, and most other popular podcast apps and platforms with a new podcast released every week. Thank you all for listening. There will be more from us next week. Say goodbye, folks. Goodbye, folks. Goodbye, folks. Went for eight. Eight centimetres. I was tired. Curdy would have done a lot of things. Love you, Curdy.